Up next, the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. After this message. Now that doctors and patients have discovered the many benefits of hemp-derived CBD, Alpine Miracle's Nano Emulsion CBD formula is one of the most bioavailable on the market today. It's 100% THC-free, so you can order it online anywhere in the U.S. Order yours today at alpinemiracle.com. Scientists are just beginning to understand its essential role in maintaining optimal health. Get yours today. Use the code REPORTER and receive 10% off. Don't wait. Get it now at alpinemiracle.com. Medical marijuana is legal in Pennsylvania. The road less traveled is not always easy. That's why Compassionate Certification Centers is here to help you and your family. They offer confidential medical marijuana evaluations and certifications with their dedicated staff of healthcare professionals. Call 888-316-9085 today to make an appointment and learn if you qualify under Pennsylvania's program. There's no need to see your primary care physician and there's never any obligation. Call 888-316-9085 today or visit CompassionateCertificationCenters.com for more information. And now, broadcasting on Star Worldwide Networks, it's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the Cannabis Reporter, Snowden Bishop. Hi, and welcome back to Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, and happy to be here today. Ever since the suffrage movement, women have fought hard to break the glass ceiling in the workforce. Thanks to the brave women of the Femme Lib era who pressured Congress to pass anti-discrimination laws, women have earned a place at the board table in corporate America. We have come a long way, baby. But we still have a long way to go before all things are equal. Women still earn less money and are outpaced by men in top-ranking positions despite having equal qualifications, education, and proven leadership skills. As much as I hate to admit it, being a woman in the cannabis industry, this industry is really not that much different. While women took a leading role in advancing the marijuana movement and are more well represented than in other industries, the landscape of cannabis is changing. Industry success has attracted corporate investors and what was once dominated by mom-pop industry has grown to mirror corporate America in terms of gender bias. Despite the growing imbalance, women are still leading the charge when it comes to changing perceptions in government, the medical community, and the public at large. Not only are they struggling to break the glass ceiling, they are also at the forefront of shattering the grass ceiling, working with all their might to shift the ever so enduring paradigm of stigma perpetuated by arcane federal laws and the lies that have permeated the collective psyche since prohibition began. That's the topic of today's show, and we have a returning guest. But before I introduce her, Dr. Brian Donner has our Medical Marijuana Minute. What do you have for us today, Dr. Donner? Thank you, Snowden. If cannabinoids are vital for human health, you may be wondering how we survived so long without having access to medical cannabis. Now that we know about the existence of the endocannabinoid system, we are learning that healthy people produce their own internal cannabinoids and synthesize these chemicals from other sources such as chocolate, 
echinacea, and other nutrients. Another fascinating discovery has been that through clinical drug trials, we learn about the effects certain medications have on a variety of conditions. We can document these effects and come up with theories about how systems in the body respond to certain drugs. However, we haven't always known and understood all of the reasons why some drugs work better than others. Take, for example, selective estrogen reuptake modulators that are often used to treat conditions such as breast cancer or osteoporosis. Recent evidence has shown that we may not have understood the complete picture with these medications and that they, in fact, have a clinical effect on the body's own endocannabinoid system and that this effect may produce some of the drug's therapeutic value. Researchers are now finding that there are other classes of commonly used drugs that may work similarly. This is very exciting for those of us who are beginning to fully understand the importance of the human endocannabinoid system. There are thousands of classes of drugs available, and it will be fascinating to study and determine how many of them work because they activate the body's own endocannabinoid system. This also lends credence to the anecdotal evidence suggesting that cannabis is as or more effective and far safer than some of our commonly prescribed drugs. These discoveries also drive home the urgent need for regulation of medical marijuana on a federal level. Lack of clinical trials in the United States is the most common excuse for our government's failure to remove cannabis from the Schedule I controlled substances list. Unfortunately, current federal law prohibits many reputable institutions from conducting large-scale national research studies. Moving beyond the circular arguments can only happen with education and pressure from the public. If you advocate for more medical marijuana research, please contact your representatives as that would be a great place to start. I'm Dr. Brian Donner. I'll be back again next week with another Medical Marijuana Minute. Back to you, Snowden. Thank you so much, Dr. Donner. We look forward to hearing from you again next week. So let's get started. Last year, we spoke with Liz Valentine about the challenges faced by patients, particularly mothers of young children, when they transition from traditional medicine to medical marijuana. It's a phenomenon she calls the black sheep syndrome, and we've talked about that before. But it's often a deterrent for patients and parents of children who need cannabis to get well. She's an industry pioneer, having worked in all aspects of business, from dispensaries to medical licensing, and today she works with patients seeking to qualify for medical marijuana treatment. Thanks so much for coming back, Liz. Thank you so much for having me, Snowden. Uh, It's been literally a year since the last time we were talking together on this show. And in fact, you have the distinction of being one of our very, very first guests ever. (laughs) (laughs) Back when we were not in the studio, but doing remote interviews when we first got started. And gosh, a lot has happened since then, hasn't it? Yes. That was fun. (laughs) It was fun. But... Anyway, I started thinking about this, and as a woman in this industry, you have seen the challenges that women face. And aside from the fact that women are really movers and shakers in this industry, there's still that penetration that needs to be done at some point. Tell me about your experience in that regard. Well, there's definitely an imbalance still in the entire world, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Women are fighting and... Um, showing off their their talents and raising their accolades. Everybody is doing really good quality work. And there are so many positions that are offered to women, and that's absolutely happening. We are 
in the cannabis industry doing so many exceptional things that we are taking, uh, people are taking notice of us. And I do understand that um, there's so many things against women. Um, so I myself started my own business after I, I was in the dispensary world and uh, getting compared to a man and also um, watching how my previous bosses were hiring somebody double my salary to do exactly what they thought I was doing. So I had him trailing me. And it was a very awkward experience. Um, I felt very slighted that I was doing so much in the dispensary and, and not really... Um, Being rewarded in the same way. Yeah, it, it was tragic. And so um, I decided, you know... I saw the handwriting on the wall. I said, let me open up my own something. And it turned out to be Green Star Doctors. And nobody helped me. I, I did this on my own. And nobody had instructed me what to do. I just figured it out. And mm -hmm. with some experience behind me, um, I had the confidence in myself to make it happen. And that's something that um, I did for myself. And so... You know, yes, there are a lot of women fighting to get into those positions, but you can do some things for yourself as well. And the thing that the thing that I think is so phenomenal about this industry is that you know, even though it's it's growing and there's starting to be this sort of corporate culture that's buying up the smaller businesses and and turning it into corporate America, mm -hmm. there's still ample opportunity for you know women to do what you did, which is you know come up with a concept, fill a need, and enter the business. And it doesn't even have to be with hands-on marijuana at all. It right. can be ancillary businesses. Right. Like, you know, for example, you know, someone who has experience in a print shop, open up a hemp print shop and, right. and you know, show your wares because guaranteed there are a lot of people who really want to see hemp come up in the world and, you know, things like that. So the opportunities seem to be there, but it's just a matter of tapping into them. There's so many opportunities between all of the businesses. Like you said, if you have a talent in the non-cannabis world and you bring that into the cannabis world, you will see that there is a place for you. And I've spoken to many people about this and you do not have to only grow and cultivate and own a dispensary. There's so many opportunities out there. And I do want to say that I see so many women in power positions. I just wonder if they're getting paid the same as men. Yeah. Right. But see, that's a, that's a nationwide problem. That's right. And, that's what I agree. And I think that, you know, it's just a matter of time. I, I feel like there's this very strange shift going on. It's like we were making some really incredible progress as women, we were making progress in the, in the cannabis industry. I mean, the mood was just electric everywhere. Absolutely. And it seems, I just put up an article today and noticed um, that the cannabis in Denver had, had printed a statement that was made by the DEA this morning, basically taking the hard line position of the Controlled Substances Act and you know, we've posted articles about Jeff Sessions and his efforts to try to get Congress to reverse all of the budget appropriations so that the DEA can now go out and target patients in legal marijuana states. I mean, there's just all this weirdness going on that's trying desperately to go back to that 
the dark ages of reefer madness and, and the, the beginnings of the war on drugs. So you just tapped into it for me, um, my passion. Basically, so there's an entire nation that's going through um, discovery, right? We're, we're trying to discover what our boundaries are and what we thought we were deciding as a group and things are changing. And there's not any difference with cannabis. Cannabis are regular people. We're all patients in cannabis. And the people that come into the cannabis community and decide that they're here just to make money, they lose sight of something that's also universally happening. We're all losing sight of the fact that we're all suffering something. Mm -hmm. Whether it's social rejection to to medicine not being available. There's something that we're processing that we need each other. Right. But also, you know, a lot of people who gravitate toward cannabis are being treated with pharmaceuticals that are literally destroying their bodies. That's right. And they're coming as almost a last resort, some people. Right. There are a lot of people who are not interested in its um, social benefits, mm-hmm. you know, that we can get feedback from each other. There, are, um, There's just, there's a little bit of hostility because of the social aspect, whereas mm-hmm. if there was no social stigma, then people would just get their medicine and they wouldn't be fighting that they don't want this. Right. And I've heard just even recently, someone called me and said, uh, my mother was basically on her last lap in life and refused to go to cannabis until, you know, finally she got, you know, news that it just wasn't looking good. And she went to cannabis after being convinced by family members to do so. And she's still alive to talk about it. And I hear these stories all the time. And I think that the same goes for lawmakers. Um, I saw a great video of a judge in Florida who practically cried when he was giving testimony in the Florida State Legislature saying that he had sent hundreds of young people and patients to jail over his career as a judge. And it wasn't until he was diagnosed with, I believe, pancreatic cancer, it wasn't until then that he realized how wrong it was to prosecute all of these people. And so, you know, when you hear things like that, it, it takes almost some kind of personal tragedy for people who are hardliners right. to really understand how important this movement is. And, you know, I don't wish anybody getting a terminal illness or, or feeling horrible by any stretch. I really don't wish that on anybody. But I have to say that... People like our attorney general, for example, you know, had he had a family member who suffered, who found comfort or healed because of cannabis, he might not be sending letters to the Congress to ask them to revert state laws back to the old days. (laughs) It's sad. It really is sad. It really is. But, you know... People are suffering. Right. The people who are running the country or in their office and they have so many things on their plate. They're thinking of so many agendas. They're not seeing the details. We are mm-hmm. seeing the people on the ground. We are seeing, I mean, this is like our own war, the people who are suffering mm-hmm. that we don't care for. 
Yeah. And and then it's left for a private hell. Don't tell anybody mm-hmm. that they finally found cannabis. And and back to women. This is where the the role of a female in this business is so incredibly vital. We're nurturers. We're nurturers yes. by nature. Yes. We are nurturers. Yes. But not only that, the voices of mothers, mm-hmm. you know, motherhood is still the most important profession in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And when you see mothers begging legislators and other people in the justice system, begging them to allow access to their children whose conditions don't qualify or whatever, you see that that right there is the leadership because it's those compelling female-oriented nurture stories that I think are going to continue pushing this movement forward. That's right. I, I am also helping the mamas there, the mothers for autism. Mm-hmm. And autism is still not on the qualifying patients list. And so many of them um, are just struggling because um, there are so many doctors that have been rejecting them. Our office has been seeing through that because there are so many other ancillary reasons to come in and be qualified, even if it's not the word autism. And self-injurious and some have seizures some don't but there's so many different other areas that we can find and i think a lot of people are having an issue you know there's just too many questions which are really answerable but they they're just refusing to see the benefits i mean for children i guess it's you know very controversial and i totally understand that but there's something to the moms reaching out and saying this helps my child i've witnessed it right the one thing that about the controversial aspect of it, the controversy was generated on falsehoods. Sure, exactly. And I struggle with this every day because I just want to scream into the microphone every single day. You know, it just, it, wake up people who are still perpetuating the lies. It begs the question, should we start prevention measures? So if people are only finding cannabis after they're on their last leg at the 11th hour, mm-hmm. maybe we should backtrack it and give it to people and, and initialize it as an early instead of last minute. You know, have it in your life before you go down in flames. Maybe yeah. that's why our endocannabinoid receptors and our endocannabinoid system is built so that we actually have it on an ongoing basis way before we're at our last level of um, dire need. Right. Well, you know, what was interesting about that aspect of it is that the federal government, of course, owns the patent for cannabis use as a neuroprotect. Um, I I had an interview with um, Dr. Christian Bogner a couple of months ago. He's famous for his research in cannabis in treating autism and also in researching causes of autism and how children are perfectly normal until, well, for example, after they receive uh, either a food substance or a vaccine that contains glyphosate, which is basically Roundup which is a, a chemical that's put into almost every aspect of our food industry. Terrible. But what he's finding is that that chemical at its nano smallest nuclear level penetrates the brain barrier. And 
because our endocannabinoid system, the receptors are so deprived of what keeps them alive, those receptors are unable to bar the glyphosate from entering into the cells in the brain and therefore damaging those nerve connections, right? I'm I'm paraphrasing what he said, and I'm not a doctor, obviously, so I might be getting this all wrong, but the point of it is that cannabis, uh, cannabinoids of all different types, but particularly CBD, of course, the most famous, could prevent the glyphosate from actually damaging those nerve endings. So given that, why, this is what is so confusing. With the government owning the patent for that neuroprotective activity, they're still denying that cannabis is medicine. And if they would only change, shift their paradigm, shift the way that they're looking at it, listen to the mamas, listen to the nurturers out there who really know and understand the importance of this, let it go and let it be a preventative medicine. Imagine how -hmm. many lives could be prevented from Parkinson's disease and autism and multiple sclerosis. Protect the brain early, exactly. Right, but not only that, now scientists are finding out that a lot of the autoimmune diseases are one of the things they have, I can't say that they're caused by because they don't have that yet. They don't have that in scientific clinical study yet. Sure. But they're speculating based on anecdotal evidence and also because they've noticed that there's a deficiency that's present in a lot of the people who have these autoimmune diseases like Crohn's disease and stuff like that. And so they're trying to find out, they're finding out that, that cannabis will help mitigate some of those symptoms, but it might also be preventative. So you're right. Like what do we what do we do? How do we how do we shift that paradigm? And especially us as women. Well, we have to shift the fact that we're not perfect and that we do need help. And by looking at that plant and seeing its value, it's just like echinacea or vitamin C. You look at something, you say, you know what, I need that. That works for me. It's gonna help me with X, Y, and Z and um you know what, I, I think I'll try that. If that was available instead of the, the scare and the fear of the only one way to, to use it or to take it in is to smoke it, you know, that's a farce. We have, I don't know how many hundreds of deliveries now uh, between all the different products out there. Mm-hmm. and Everything from like, you know, mucal spray to right. drops to vaping to edibles of all different shapes, sizes, colors, tastes, all of that. Flower, concentrate, yeah. know, any edible, sublingual, everything goes through a different way and hits us differently. So when we're affected differently, we, de- we definitely need more choices. Right. Can't just be one capsule and we're done. But how do we shift the, how do we shift the paradigm in the hardliners? This is where, this you is make the it, big conundrum. You make it a for-profit nation. Stop making it non-profit. Let the business owners have the laws so that their inventorships can come out. Everybody is very, very talented. Um, you have small-time little makers, but they can't come out because uh, their laws are not fitting. Each state is so different. Mm-hmm. In Colorado, it's for-profit, and you can have an edible company. 
and and have your own company here it's a vertical license all of the dispensaries have that ownership they can allow you in you have to make those arrangements mm-hmm. um, which is fine but it doesn't make it easier right and also in in states like this like arizona where we are now we also see a lot of the press that is anti-medical marijuana and a lot of the lobby efforts that are going on that are anti-marijuana and state legislators, quite frankly, who have been trying to undermine the state marijuana laws. I don't know. I think, I think that what we really need, and especially in states that have yet to even pass anything, I, I think we need women to really start talking about this as if it were a normal, non-stigmatized right. substance that is part of the nature of human evolution. Mm-hmm. I, I, I we have know. to stop demonizing it. The people who are said to not be good because they smoke, that's terrible. There's a lot of good people who need help and they're suffering and and if they don't come in because they're suffering even social stigma then they'll just die right um and and but you know the people who are putting forth that social stigma that negative stigma they're the ones that we need to reach and you know we we talked when we talked last year a lot of what you do is convince the patients that there's nothing to be ashamed of. You've, That's right. You've removed that that feeling of hopelessness, right. you know, or that feeling of shame. That's right. And I think that is phenomenal because I think that you have impacted a lot of people's lives. I mean, I have friends who've gone to you who were like, yeah, should I do this? And right. they were getting pressure from their school not to put their child on marijuana. Right. Or, right. You know, that sort of thing. And I think that that's phenomenal. But I think now with with the advent of these groups, Women Grow, which you're a part of, and Mamas, which you mentioned a minute ago. It seems as though women have the perfect opportunity to be the voice for the industry to the people who are causing the stigma, for the people who... I think the reason I'm kind of going in this direction with this conversation is because we are now able to speak to people through this vehicle, through this show, who live in states that have not passed any laws because their lawmakers are petrified of doing it, or there's just a lot of, a lack of knowledge, I should say. There's a huge lack of knowledge in some of these places. They're afraid that their constituents won't vote for them again. Right? right. That's the biggest fear that if I come out of this closet and I approve you people, you people that are sick, <laughs> um, then they, they would be uh, they would not be voted for. But if your constituents get sick and die, they won't be voting for you either. Right. Right. So maybe keep them alive and they will be voting for you. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's just so important for for women to normalize it, to be the normalizing I voice. I agree. We set a lot of tone. Um, they say that secretaries run the world, right? Well, yeah. It's always been more of a female position, even though that seems sexist. <laughs> Erased. <laughs> um, there's, um, there's something um, about the woman that's like the glue to the family. Mm-hmm. And we do bring people together and we're nurturers. And, and we hope that the gatherers 
<laughs> like our nurturing. Yeah. You know, we want um, an entire family, not just all nurturers and spread apart from the gatherers. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of, speaking of the gatherers, yes. the gatherers have a huge opportunity here. And I'm talking female breadwinners as well. Absolutely. Um, there's such a huge opportunity here. And those who, who like to govern the gathering, they have an opportunity to help pull our nation out of debt. That's right. They have an opportunity to slash a budget that spends $3.6 billion, with a B, dollars wow. a year prosecuting, enforcing and prosecuting and incarcerating for marijuana offenses. So tragic. It, and destroying all of those families and then having to send more law enforcement to control the crime that's basically... That's a lot of PTSD. Civil war because of the cartels, you know, yes. in inner cities. And I mean, just, just today, you know, there was a, a police officer, a young woman who's been with the force for, I think, 12 years who was executed mm -hmm. in Chicago. You know, the, if we perpetuate that cycle of violence, conviction, incarceration, take away their voting rights, take away their ability to earn a living after being, you know, demonized in, in the criminal justice system, and then they come out and we expect miraculous change after we've rehabilitated somebody in prison for smoking a plant. This is what I'm saying. It, it's this idea that we need to be perfect. And so society and culture, we are society, so why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we do this to our friend? Mm -hmm. You better be perfect. So if you get into a car accident and you have an injury, people really have empathy for a little while, but eventually that dries up. You better get better. Right. Stop being this you know, needy person. Right. We want you back on mm -hmm. the job the way you used to be. And sometimes we just don't have that bounce back and we do need a little bit more help and patience. And if you look at the entire world, <laughs> there are so many people suffering of so many things between emotional, physical, or financial. There's so much suffering going on. Right. So if we don't have a little bit more compassion for the people that are truly sick and needing it and cannabis doesn't kill you, then what are we saying to the people that are healthy? Well, we don't care if you, if you drop off. Look, we don't, we don't care about the ones that are dropping off. So if you need to drop off, just do it. Yeah. It's, it's just such a conundrum. And I think it's getting better, but it's still, we've just got so much farther to go. There's no us and them. We're the same family. Mm -hmm. It's the same people, the brothers and sisters on that couch that are suffering. Right. So you're right. Until somebody has that in their family where they say, you know what? this is really troubling. And if we had this cannabis, it would have helped and they wouldn't have died. Right. I mean, there's a lot of people that have said that because their state didn't have it and their relative was not about to go illegal. Yeah. You know, there's, um, even in sickness, people are trying to protect their reputation when yeah. it's not saving their life. You know what else I find really curious about the perpetuation of the myth and all of that? It has, over time, well, it began, really, as a seriously divided partisan issue. Mm -hmm. And it never should have been. Because no. I was reading um, an interview with John R. Lickman um, in the Nixon era. And I think I wrote an article about this last week. But he was, he was saying, you know, 
did we know that there was absolutely nothing wrong with marijuana when we scheduled it alongside LSD and heroin? Of course we knew. It was a way, it was, it was basically President Nixon needed to get the sort of... Control on the masses. Control on, and not just the masses, but control on the left-leaning peace protesters who tended to be more of that freedom lives, kind of what he would have called the hippie generation, the flower children who were Why all do we need advocates. Yeah, they right. were the peace nicks, he right. called them, and he called them the leftists. And unfortunately, the policy that came out of that really deeply impacted the left-leaning inner cities, the minorities. Um, anybody that wasn't considered to be normal Puritan American family mm-hmm. and convinced all of the white picket fence families that that new element was bad. Right. And there's really no difference between that and the lies that were told during reefer madness so right. that Hearst could use his forests instead of hemp to make his newspapers. That's right. Chemicals from DuPont to mulch it into trees, which poisoned our rivers and caused all kinds of diseases that we didn't have before. If we never got off hemp, what we would be today. Right. Yeah, and that reminds me also, and this has been a really big news cycle for cannabis, although it sure. doesn't get a much it doesn't get a lot of mainstream coverage. But we, yeah, we talked about this in the interview last week, that the House of Representatives here in Arizona a lot of times they can't agree on much because one issue is one side of the aisle and the other is another side of the aisle and none of them can come together to really agree on those things. But they agreed in droves, like 97% voted in favor of legalizing hemp for cultivation in the state of Arizona. Wow. You know, because it dry, it grows in dry climates. It's right. very resilient to, you know, boiling heat or freezing weather. It remediates soil, and we've got a lot of remediation to be done here from, you know, all the BT cotton and, sure. and other things that grow inorganically in this right. state because it's so dry. It grows with little water. I mean, there are so many good reasons to grow hemp here. So they see the benefits, but they don't want to admit it. Well, no, no, no. They admitted it. They Only, voted right, in hemp. favor of it, 97%, Right, I believe, but the cousin the cannabis... But, (laughs) no, they all voted in favor. They passed the bill. Right. It got vetoed by our governor. Oh, right. Right, I remember this. I mean, I I understand. I I was speechless when I read it. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, why on earth would he do that? It's not like, you know, I could understand him vetoing marijuana, and God bless him, he's tried to reverse it here, you know, our medical marijuana law. But hemp? Right, it has so many good values for the soil and the ground, the earth, but let's not... Well, it, I mean, and it, for the House to agree, that's, that speaks volumes. It does. I mean, that's progress. It's hemp. It's not, right. it's not the whole plant, but it's hemp at least. And I was really impressed that our deeply divided legislature here actually agreed on something like that. But it was such a disappointment that once they finally came together on something really important issue it got vetoed and just shut down like ugh. but you know the only the only logical explanation for it really has to do with the same people who fought the adult regulation law you know the people who make the drugs 
the same drugs that kill people left, right, and center, fentanyl, which is killing hundreds of people every single day across this nation and creating a nation of addicts, you know, they dumped well, a lot of money into, into the anti-marijuana cause here. So they make the addicts, they, they kill the addicts because they eventually kill themselves mm-hmm. and then they make more. Right, but, but hemp CBD sure. could eliminate the need for a lot of that because it also has anti-inflammatory and pain-killing properties in it. It sounds it, it, like the population control conspiracy theorists, <laughs> right? Why are they continually just trying to kill? Yep, exactly. It makes no sense. Yeah. We're, we're here with a peace-loving cannabis leaf. I know. Save us. We're, we're the flower children of the 1970s. A new flower, but it's definitely it's flower. It's a new flower, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I, and I just, sometimes I just get so... Um, I get so lost in thinking about this because it just, it, it makes no sense. But so many things don't make any sense. You know, the division in women makes no sense. Right. Even though women are the strength, you know, behind every CEO, there's usually a woman who's very, very strong, you know, and... Uh, yeah. Why isn't racism finished? Right? We can't feed our hunger. Hungry people on the street, they're thirsty, they're dying. Yeah. There's so many things we can do with the money, but there's so many things we don't do with the money. Yeah. Oh, and um, school lunches for disadvantaged uh, schools were cut recently, too. I mean, it just makes no sense. It makes no sense. And I don't know if there's sort of this Darwinism thing going on in, in our government these days, but, it, you know, they're, they're trying to cull our population by eliminating opportunity for people who aren't as strong. I mean, it's the most un-American, you know, kind of feeling happening right now. But cannabis has that, cannabis is that one thing that could unite people, I think. Absolutely. It's actually taking us back to the old ways. If you look at the European culture, they take care of their old. They don't put them in homes like we do. We, you know, my family came from a communist country. I'm first generation. So when I think about their horror stories of how they thought United States was going to be amazing, it is amazing on so many amazing levels. It is amazing. But why are we not united? Yeah. We don't unite with our old. As soon as they get old, we throw them in a home. Why? In, in my culture, there is a little bit more of taking care of each other, a little bit more family essence, live together, mm-hmm. not just um, be so separate. And, right. you know, maybe the country itself, you know, with so many immigrants that come from every single walk of life, forgets that we need to unify. Mm-hmm. And well, even though we're different, doesn't mean that we're not skin, we're blood. Yeah, well, and we all came from different places. They're, you know, if, if the only right. true Americans are the Native American Indians. That's right. That's it. They're the only true, um, it, this land is their legacy. It's not anyone else's. And, right. and yet, I don't know, it's um, the, the, even though we're all immigrants or we all descend from immigrants, there's still this uh, feeling of, you know, patriotism that's making them think that anybody coming in now is, you know, and all they want is the American dream as well, just like our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents all right. came to this country. A chance. Mm-hmm. 
Who came to this country, by the way, using sails made of hemp? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and they enjoy freedoms because of the Declaration of Independence, which was originally drafted on hemp, the first draft. That's the thing, is that if we didn't have 13 dispensaries in New York in the 20s, and when it finally got uh, abolished, you know, we, we really did have it in our life. You know, the people may have passed on and couldn't tell the stories of how cannabis was an everyday product. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they demonized it and called it marijuana and confused people, we didn't have cell phones, internet, Facebook. There was no TV, radio. What was right. going on? Morse yeah. code somewhere? <laughs> Pony Express? You would think. But you see, that's why we're here. This is why we're doing what we do. That's why it's so incredibly important to keep doing it and to keep spreading it well, as far and wide as we possibly can. And I could have just been a business owner and go home and watch TV and tune out and go back to work. And instead, I am in the community and I'm trying to make a difference because it's a huge movement to see mm -hmm. people in so much pain get relief and to see that there's so many people struggling to come in because they're afraid of the stigma. So I'll go out there. I'll put my name out there. Yeah. And you know what, there are so many ways that people can get involved. And, you know, lately I've been sort of on a mission to find more people who are willing to speak out and really get, um, get other people to, to help normalize the conversation about cannabis. It's just so incredibly important. So, yeah, I mean... There are a lot of networking groups that are out there now, like Friends. Um, you can see people at Mita once a month and Women Grow. There's so many different opportunities to come out to the public. Mm -hmm. um, but people are still scared. Um, I went to a 4th of July cannabis consumption party, and it was great. I saw so many great faces. But I, I haven't seen them at these community meetings. They just are afraid. This is just to smoke, so they came out for that. But these are the patients who could come out to the community, but they're afraid. Yeah. So. Who was it that called it the green closet recently? Oh, Marvin right. Washington. <laughs> yeah, he was saying it, it, it took him realizing how much he could physically be helped. And he saw his friends being helped by cannabis, people who were suffering with CTE and all that. He said, yeah, finally, you know, we came out of the green closet and it has been a green closet because there are so many people who've traditionally um, been out, outspoken about not changing the law and that sort of thing who actually are closeted users and if they can find comfort for themselves why not speak up and and help the movement I don't know they don't need to join oh. anybody just to help themselves. So they'll do it in the closet and they'll get their relief. Mm -hmm. And coming out of the closet, oftentimes you lose friends and family because of it and, and coworkers, jobs. It's a very scary thing to come out of the closet. And I understand that. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm here, so that people can feel more comfortable that um, I own my own business. Yeah, I do consume a lot of medication and I still challenge myself every day yeah yeah and i and i don't know i back to women yeah. they're leading the charge Ooh. you know <laughs> girl power yes shatter that grass ceiling yes and yeah. we're here for each other i see a lot of women promoting each other and helping mm -hmm. each other and that's the thing to do is that 
not many of us are really competing. And if that, we are still friends in the competition because every, there's a place for everybody. There's so many different diverse jobs and positions and careers within cannabis that really you can't overlap that much. It's, right. it's a lot of great friendships based upon the broad variety of what people are doing out there. Well, and also if one business owner, if one business owner makes, um, makes a success out of their business, that helps every single other business owner who's, who's trying to elevate this industry to, you know, the level it deserves to be. My, Last birthday, sixth anniversary for Green Star Doctors, I had decided to make a much larger event, and Indica Life uh, was just in the parking lot of my of my office. But I had a huge tent, and the city of Scottsdale approved this event, and that was huge for me. Right. It's just a small little birthday party that turned into an approved event by the city of Scottsdale. So I feel that was a great achievement for the community yeah. because the city of Scottsdale is pretty tough and mm -hmm. they said okay to a it was non-consumption but it was a cannabis awareness fair right and so people really did come out and see this a free event and I, I'm a woman I made that happen yeah I didn't know I was going to make that happen but I made it happen yeah. so if I can do it so can another woman right right and I think you know the moral to the story today is you know hey girls get up out there um, because you're going to help um, educate people. You're going to help um, change the world by raising awareness and normalizing the conversation and telling other mothers and women and other people that it's okay to embrace this healing that, is, that people might need. There's we'll no shame in it. And we'll find sponsors for families that need medicine. That's what the community does. If we bring people together, there may be large corporations that decide that they want to donate towards this charity so that there can be help. Right. That's right. what raising awareness in the community is all about. Yeah. Getting help. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think it's awesome that, you know, you'll be sponsoring patients. Yes. And I um, do. I am certifying autism patients on the house until I find somebody who would like to help me. That's what I'm doing for autism patients. That's fantastic. And for, for um, people in this area who um, may have a child suffering with autism, even though autism is not a qualifying condition, what, what Liz had said before is that autism often comes with um, other symptoms that yes. are qualifying conditions. Secondary conditions, yeah, self-inflicting so, pain, and each one of those, mm -hmm. each one of those can qualify you. Qualify as long for, as there's a physical pain mm -hmm. documented. Yeah, which you know, obviously there there is, or even muscle spasms. There's so many uh, different varieties. Any kind of yes. uh, thing like that. Yes, um, doesn't always just have to be seizures, but seizures qualifies too. Right. Yeah, that's right. For sure. So, okay, so moms. How much pushback do you see them getting from people in schools? Like when, when they come to you, because you deal with this a lot, you deal with mothers who are bringing in their children who are afraid of what's going to happen. What are, what are some of the biggest challenges they face, you know, like with their children's doctors or with schools or that sort of thing? Is that ever an issue? I'm definitely not qualified to answer this, but I can bring on the mamas 
that really fight the struggle, from what I hear, they're struggling with getting diagnosed. They oftentimes don't want to label a child so that they don't get that treatment. They don't want to be the responsible person for the diagnosing. There's a few actions. I think schools, I'm sure that they're not willing to accept cannabis in their diet. You know, as far as that, is that what you mean? Yeah, well, I remember when we talked like a year ago, that was one of the things that moms who were coming in who were afraid to try cannabis as a treatment for their child. Oh, because were worried they about were. This, they were worried about it. So, so a lot of times, um, especially moms who medicate themselves, oftentimes are so afraid of just smelling like pot because they're afraid of the stigma the child will have mm-hmm. because, oh, that's the mom, the bad mom. Right. Or the or the school saying something if the if the child is a medical marijuana patient has that ever come up? Yeah. Um, but I do think that bringing in the mamas would be a great idea. It's something that they would love to tell you themselves because they are definitely on the front lines. I actually had um, Brandy right on the show. That's right. Um, talking about her little boy and oh what she's been through. In fact, she she has brought me to tears on this show, and I had her in with um, with Dr. Bogner, the mm-hmm. autism doctor, who is right. absolutely he's he's amazing and has been a huge support to the mamas, which that stands for mothers advocating uh, medical marijuana for autism, right? So it is an autism specific group, but yeah. Anyway, but it was it was very interesting to hear her point of view too, and just some of the struggles that you know, she's gone through. And I know that a lot of them, the challenges that they face trying to get this law passed. And recently they went out in droves and they, I think they're still doing it, but they went out in droves to discuss this with the Arizona legislators who mm-hmm. now are presenting a bill to include autism among other conditions in the Arizona law, which I think is phenomenal if they can get that done. That's what we hope. Yeah, I would hope so. And I know that there are other states where the qualifying conditions are limited to just even uh, epilepsy, for example. That's you right. know, and it's useful for so many epilepsy, cancer, and then there are a couple of other conditions that they define as life threatening or whatever. But if there are mothers out there in those states where their options are really limited, I think Mamas is actually growing to the point where it's in just about every state, isn't it? Yes, it's national organization. Yeah, there are a number of other ones too. But also, women grow, as far as I know, they're also beginning to crop up in states that have yet to pass any meaningful legalization that is as unrestricted as even our state. Right. They're national and they're going international. Right, which is fantastic. So the opportunities for women right now, moms and, and women in general, I think to find their place in here can really be supported by some of these organizations. Also, there's um, Mom Force right. as well, which is hugely active here in Arizona, and I'm not sure, but then there are other organizations as well for medical practitioners that are really uh, women-friendly and women dominant absolutely like um cannabis nurses for example and you know a lot of opportunities i think for women to get involved in advocating get involved 
in becoming business owners to help support the industry, normalize the conversation. Everybody can help, even if you're not in the cannabis industry itself and you come out to the community, you can absolutely help everyone else, even if it's just providing a get-together space. Mm -hmm. People do have a lot to contribute together and together we'll make it stronger and better. I think so too. I think you're absolutely right about that. I don't know, it's an exciting time to be in this industry. We've, I, all in the, we've all been in the closet for so long, so coming out of the closet, out of the green closet, really does make a huge difference for all of us because yeah. now we can enjoy ourselves without hiding, looking over our shoulder and worrying. Right. Maybe yeah. if we eliminate some of that worry, we could actually start producing some of the efforts, you know, a little bit more life to our life. Yeah. Yeah. Liz, thank you. Thank you, Snowden. This has really been a great conversation and so appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Once again, uh, it's time to take another show to the close. I'd like to say thank you again to Liz Valentine for sharing her insights and knowledge with us today. If you want to learn more about the work she is doing, please visit us online at thecannabisreporter.com. Click podcast to find today's episode. I will post her bio and more information about what she's doing there. We have a lot of others to thank. First, I'd like to express our gratitude for our radio sponsors, Alpine Miracle, Health Terra, and Compassionate Certification Centers. We certainly couldn't be doing this without you. I'd also like to thank Dr. Brian Donner for our Medical Marijuana Minute update, Eric Adol for our theme song, Evergreen, and our producer, Ed, engineer, Craig, and the team here at Star Worldwide Networks for making us shine. And last but not least, thanks to all of you for listening. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, inviting you to join me again next week, same time, same place, for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. Until we meet again, be safe, stay informed, share what you've learned, and make it a great day. Now that doctors and patients have discovered the many benefits of hemp-derived CBD, Alpine Miracle's Nano Emulsion CBD formula is one of the most bioavailable on the market today. It's 100% THC-free, so you can order it online anywhere in the U.S. Order yours today at alpinemiracle.com. Scientists are just beginning to understand its essential role in maintaining optimal health. Get yours today. Use the code REPORTER and receive 10% off. Don't wait. Get it now at alpinemiracle.com. You're busy running around from work to kids to evening events. Healthcare shouldn't be adding to your daily running around. Simplify your healthcare with Helterra for only $15 per month per individual or $18 per month per family with up to nine kids. By the way, you can eliminate doctor office visits with 24/7 access to doctors via phone, video, or the mobile app. Not only do you get prescriptions filled over the phone, but save up to 85% on those prescriptions. This is a supplemental plan and not insurance. Healthcare made easy. Helterra.com.